I'm going to ask you to do something that, uh, if you'll do it, it can change your life. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of Christ. The Bible says of itself, it's alive, and it's active, and it's sharp, and it's profitable for correcting and rebuking and training in righteousness so that the man of God lacks nothing. So the dangerous thing, or the not dangerous thing, the something full of potential that I'm going to ask you to do is just to listen to the word of the Lord. The Bible says, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered them, it was not that this man sinned or his parents that he was born blind, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it's still day for night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud out of the saliva, and he anointed the man's eyes with saliva, and then said to him, Go to Siloam and wash. And Siloam means sent. So he went and washed, and he came back seeing. Now his neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar, when they saw him, they began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And some of them said, Yes, it is him. Others said, No, it just looks like him. But he said... I am that man. And so they asked him, how were your eyes opened? And he said, the man called Jesus made mud, anointed my eyes with it, and told me to go wash. So I went and washed, and now I see. So they said, well, where is he now? And he said, I do not know where he is. So they took to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now, Now, it was the Sabbath, when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees asked him again, how is it that you received your sight? And he said, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, he's not from God. Jesus cannot be from God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath. Uh, Others said, well, then how can a, a sinful man do these miraculous signs? So there arose a division among them. So they went back to the blind man and asked him again, Well, since he opened your eyes, what do you say about him? And he said, I think he's a prophet. So he's getting warmer. He's not quite there yet. Let's pray and then think on these things. Father, we have your word. We've heard your word. Now we need your spirit who inspired that word to be written to come in and illuminate us about what the word really means. So, Father, we humble ourselves. We want to be teachable. We want to be correctable. We want to be, um, well, if we can say it this way, Lord, we want to see who you are, what you've done, what you promise, and what your word means. We pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, we've been on a series of sermons through Psalm 32, and I want you to hold on to all the things we've been talking about regarding David from 2 Samuel 11 and 12 and Psalm 32. Just hold on to those. We're going to talk about how Jesus is the light of the world. He says that in John chapter 9. He says, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And i got three points, and they're alliterated points. And when we got three alliterated points, you know that I got that from somebody else as I studied because uh, I'm not good with alliteration. So we're going to say three things about the light, and we're going to take them straight from John chapter 9. And the first thing that we're going to say about the light and about Jesus is, one, if you have a handout and you want to follow along, if you'd like to fill in the blanks, first of all, is that the light removes, the light removes the darkness. Light removes darkness. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He is the Son of God. He is the great I Am. He's the good shepherd who goes after the one sheep. He's rest for the restless and the weary. And we want to talk and think about Him this morning as one who gives sight to those who cannot see. More than anything else, what a blind person needs is sight. And good news, Jesus offers sight. He removes the darkness, as we'll see, by displaying God's goodness. Let's, let's look at John 9. If you have a Bible and want to join me there, that's what um, we were thinking about and listening to. Is John chapter 9. We're going to go through most all this chapter this morning. So, so I want to see, first of all, what went on right before then, because Right before Jesus sees the man born blind, that's John 9, 1, he, he'd incited a riot. So you want to see, this is the context, go back to John 8, and he says, he's talking to this group of Jewish people, in John eight fifty six. he says, Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So he's having this discussion, it's, it's a kind of a tense discussion with this group of Jewish people who are trying to find out who Jesus really thinks that he is. And so Jesus lays claim to their, uh, to, to, to their main man, Abraham, and said, Abraham was wanted to see me. He wanted to see my day. And so, verse 57, the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Now, Jesus is going to give them a statement, and when he makes this statement, that's what's going to cause a riot, practically, to, 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 to break out. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, here's the two words that he says, and man, this is going to cause the riot. Before Abraham was, I am. When he says, before Abraham was, I am, he, he, he said something that to their ears, well, just look, look what it says. So when he said that, they picked up stones to throw at him. What, what's the big deal? He just said, before Abraham was, I am. Here's what he says, before Abraham was, and then he uses, you, you go back to Exodus when the, Moses is at the burning bush, and Moses at the burning bush is going to go release the captives, and Moses says, who am I going to say sent me? And remember the name? He says, say, tell them, I am sent you. It's the divine name of the Lord. It's the most sacred, holy name to the Jewish people. And Jesus just used it. And not only did he just use it, he applied it to himself. So make no bones about it. Jesus stood before them and said, I was at the burning bush. I was there at Abraham. In fact, I was there before time. When I'm the one who spoke creation into being. That's why it says they picked up stones to throw at him. So I just want you to know that's what's going on. It's not the main point. It's an important point. And, and our, uh, when John wrote the Bible, he didn't divide it all up in chapters. That came later. So right on the heels of that, as he passed by, he saw a blind man. So just take a quick time out. If somebody had just about stoned you to death, do you think that you would have noticed a man sitting by the wayside and begging? 
Just think about this thought. Jesus was well aware what was going to happen to him. So you just think to yourself, if you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that about a year from now you were going to die a terribly violent death. I mean, you knew that. How do you think your day-to-day living would go? I mean, you'd probably be paralyzed, wouldn't you? You wouldn't know what to do. You sure wouldn't notice what anybody else has going on in their life. Most of us, if we've got some stressful things going on in our lives, we, we, we kind of get blinded to what's going on in other people's lives. Back to Philippians 2 is an important point. Uh, look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, Jesus knew in just a matter of time, he's going to be crucified. And the Bible says as he passed by, he saw a, a blind man. In other words, he, 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 he took consideration of him. Now, you may think that God's up there with so much going on that he has no idea what's going on with you. But the Bible says he passed by and saw the man blind from birth. And then the disciples asked an interesting question. It's a question we still kind of wrestle with. Why, why, why is this man blind? Why is he suffering? The, the, later on, we learned that he sits and begs, which is pretty much all he could do. I mean, he, he can't farm. He can't hold a job. He can't read. He can't do it. I mean, he's blind. There's no, there's no way to help him. So all he can do is sit and beg. And uh, the disciples asked him, well, Rabbi, who sinned? Now, they make a huge assumption. You know, every question we ask has major assumptions within the question. So you listen to their question. They said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? That was a popular assumption in those days that if a mom sinned while she was carrying a child in her womb, that child bore the brunt and the consequences of the sin of the mom. So that's their question. Who sinned, the mom or the parents, that he was born blind? He didn't come into the world seeing and then have an accident. I mean, he was born blind from the get-go. So their assumption is something bad must have happened. They don't use this word, but it's a popular word in our day, and it's a widespread assumption. It's called karma. Sort of what goes around comes around. I mean, you do well, it goes well. You don't do well, it won't go well. That's kind of their, who sinned? But Jesus, I want you to see, Jesus has an entirely different explanation for his blindness. There's, here's their assumption. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Here's Jesus' answer. The answer is n- neither of them sinned. Not, not that they were sinless. He's saying their sin did not result in the blindness. Understand what I'm saying? We're all sinners. He says, it was that the works of God might be displayed in him. Puts a whole different twist on our trials and tribulation and suffering, doesn't it? It's not that, now we are all sinners, but God's not just out there doling punishment out. No, he's sinned, he's going to be blind. The Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Now, you want to talk about doling out punishment, here's how, here's how the gospel teaches it. But he's laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Jesus is crucified for, this, for the sin. And this man's trouble... Jesus says it's not a result of his sin. Now, sin, full picture, parenthetically, sin does bring consequences. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever man sows that, he will reap. But this man's blindness, he's born blind, is not a result of his parents' sin. It's not karma. So, so a couple of things notice about Jesus already. One, he sees a man blind. Two, his disciples ask him a question. He actually listens. You know, G- Jesus doesn't say, are you guys the most foolish people on the planet? 
I mean, honestly, we've been at this for two years of ministry. You think the man's born blind? Have you not listened to a word that I've said? So one, he sees. Two, he listens. And then three, he answers. That's the goodness of God. Do you see it? He sees, he listens, and he answers. He, uh, he made his uh, <laughs> dwelling place among us. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. So he says it is for the glory of God or for the works of God might be displayed in him. And I'll tell you, in your suffering, it can be much the same. You know, this is is true about the world. Um, They don't take note when everything's going really well. You notice that, right? Uh, 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 I mean, um, it doesn't take note of somebody who never has a bad hair day, you know. It doesn't take note of somebody who their children are always perfectly behaved and never throw tantrums in public, right? Uh, but I'll tell you this. You remember Daniel 3? They take those three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they throw them in the furnace. And here's what the Bible said. And everyone gathered around the furnace. And they started counting. There's one, there's two, there's... Did we just throw three boys in there? And it's when everybody gathered around to see how they'd handle the furnace. They didn't think they were going to handle it, by the way. They just thought they'd be burned up. <laughs> the king, Nebuchadnezzar, looks in and says, there's four. It's when you're thrown in the furnace that people gather around and they see Jesus. Now, had they gathered around and all this is all they hear from the boys, let us out of here. It's too hot in here. That's no glory to God. That's what they'd expect, right? So when you have suffering in your life, people are going to gather around and they are going to look. And here's, here's, here's good news. As they gather around, they might just see there's not one or two people in there. There's a, there who, who's that other person? That the, that the works of God might be displayed in him. When you're suffering, when you're at the hospital, when you're in the gravesite, when you're in the cemetery and people gather around and they look and you've not said, man, this is too hot. I want up out of here. But you say, I still trust him. I still, I don't, I'm not going to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar. That's the other option. Yeah, I can come out and I can bow down to him and I'll just be like everybody else. The works of God might not any longer be displayed in you. So, so here's the blind man. He's suffering. I'm not make a light of his suffering. I mean, he's been there day in and day out, but now he has an opportunity that the work of God might be displayed. First Peter 1 6. Peter, by the way, was probably the disciple who asked that question. So he's always the spokesman. It's not specific here in John 9, but usually it's Peter who speaks up. He's probably the one who says, Now who sinned? This man or his or his parents that he's born blind? Here's what Peter wrote years later. Peter, 1 Peter 1 6. In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. James 1, 2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various or, or meet trials of various kinds. Secondly, we, or another way that we see that the light removes the darkness is that Jesus takes the, uh, takes the initiative. And he gets personally involved. You, you see, uh, it's, it's, it's a little bit strange he doesn't always work according to the way that we think. He says, having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Now, the man's blind. He can't see any of this going on. 
And then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of of Siloam. He gets personally involved. Aren't you glad before you even knew you were spiritually blind 2,000 years ago, Jesus was personally involved in healing our spiritual blindness? Now, when Jesus does this, he does require something of the man, and I want you to see this. The man called Jesus, excuse me, um, uh, he says, verse 7, he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So Jesus is going to heal him, but he's requiring something of the man. And this is the case most every time Jesus has a miracle. Remember the man with the withered hand? What's Jesus say? Stretch out your hand and be healed. Remember the man with the mat by, by, uh, by a different pool? He, or, or I'm sorry, no, it was the, um, the, the uh, uncovered the roof and lowered the man on the mat who was paralyzed. Another thing Jesus did on the Sabbath, and uh, he says, pick up your mat and walk. Talk about this tonight from John 11 by the tomb of Lazarus. He says, remove the stone. So prior to healing, there's always an act of obedience. Now, he anoints the man's eyes, but he tells the man he's got to go and and wash. Jesus offers you spiritual life, but you've got to be obedient, and the obedience is faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Some people think that, man, we're just all going to heaven no matter what we do. The Bible says God demonstrated his love for us and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So here's the good news. The man went and washed and he received sight. Now, I want you to notice when this guy comes back, people notice his life is changed. How do you know if you've been born again? Uh, uh, It's sort of a silly question because it's sort of like asking a blind person, how do you know that you can see, right? I mean, you know you've been born again because everything's changed. And the change is noticeable. Look what it says here in John 9, verse, uh, verse 8. The neighbors, right? The first people that we should be able to call to, uh, to ask the question, do you think so-and-so is born again, are the, are the neighbors, right? Because the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the greatest commandment. And then the second one's like it, love your who? Neighbor as yourself. So you ought to be able to go across the street or go next door and say, tell me about so-and-so. Are they a follower of Jesus? And if they say, mm, I don't really know, that's, that's problematic. It says here, the neighbors noticed and those who had seen him before. In other words, there's a change in his life Jesus opened his eyes. Now, everything Jesus does in the physical world has spiritual implications. So here he comes back, and they don't even think it's him. Some of them say, no, 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 it's him. And others say, no, he just looks like him. There's such a change in his life that people are confused. Say, man, this guy used to be a blind beggar. I mean, I've given him money before. So there should be some things in your life that used to be true. And by the way, to be dead in your trespasses and sins, to be apart from Christ, you can't get a better uh, living, breathing, real life, tangible uh, illustration than to be a blind beggar. That is what it means spiritually to be apart from Christ. So, So they say, isn't that who he used to be? There should be some things in your life. Now, it's not that we are born again and everything becomes perfect and we become sinless, but we should sin less. You know what I mean? So so are there some uh, noticeable changes in your life? They say, uh, verse 8, the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, yeah, it is him. Others said, no, but 
This looks like, and he kept saying, I am him. I am the man. Not in an arrogant way. He's not going around like some people say today, I'm the man. No, no, I, no, that's me. I am that man. So they said, explain it to me. Now, some people think if you're going to share the gospel, you've got to have a seminary degree. Some, some people think you've just got to know Greek and you know Hebrew and, and you know doctrine and you've read systematic theology. Now, here's his testimony. Jesus came. He did something. I washed and I see. That's it. That's, that's his testimony. So I don't know how to share my testimony. Just share about your life. Your life is your testimony. That's what's true of him. The, before they asked him about anything, they noticed he had changed. And then when they noticed he's changed, here they come up to him. And they said, tell me the story. Is that what they said? Then how were your eyes opened? Right? How, how did everything change for you? Here's his testimony. He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? Now, here's when you know you've shared a good testimony. When they start asking more about Jesus. They want to know more about him. Now, that's our role. You are the light of the world, Jesus says elsewhere. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. You cannot hide the testimony of a born-again believer in Christ. He loves Jesus too much to never talk about him. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do man place a lamp under a bowl, but on a stand so that it gives light to all who are in the house. And when you get a light in the house, it removes the darkness. So that they may see your good works and give glory, not to you, to give glory to your Father who's in heaven. The light removes darkness. If a city is overcome by darkness, there's just one explanation. There's no light. <laughs> there's no, the light removes darkness. Now, these neighbors and these friends, they don't know what else to do but to turn it over to the professionals. That's what verse 13 says. So they go to uh, verse 12. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Oh, boy, here we go. I was reading a book, and I was sharing with the deacons in our last deacons meeting, reading a book about uh, James Garfield, who was the president. Uh, we, we don't, uh, he, he's not like on Mount Rushmore or anything, mainly because he was only president for like three months. And he was going to take a trip and went to the um, uh, Baltimore and Ohio Railroad Station on July 2nd, 1881, and was going to get on the train, but an insane man was there. The insane man wanted to be appointed the ambassador to France and had asked James Garfield and his associates a number of times for that role. But James Garfield said it's probably not a good idea that we appoint an insane man to be the ambassador to to France. And so uh, this guy shot him twice. First shot in the arm, second shot goes in the back. He thought when the new president comes in, that president would appoint him to be the ambassador to France. But anyway, Robert Lincoln was there at the train station, same Robert Lincoln whose dad Abraham had been assassinated. And uh, 20 years prior, and this is a little odd, 20 years later, Robert Lincoln would be standing beside of uh, William McKinley, the president, when he was assassinated. So all that to say, if you were in the late 19th century around Robert Lincoln, you'd want to stand somewhere else, I guess. But... uh, James Garfield, they lay him on the floor of the railroad station. Now, at the time of this assassination, there's a guy in England uh, named Lister 
who had this crazy idea about surgery. And the crazy idea that he had is there are these microscopic things that we cannot see with our own eyes called germs that you, uh, if you're going to perform surgery, you've got to scrub and get really, really clean. Now, surgeons in those days, they did not go with that line of thinking. In fact, it was a badge of honor to walk into a surgery with your gloves still on from the last surgery and your whole uh, outfit caked in blood and, and all sorts of other things that go with surgery. So, so uh, Robert Lincoln went and called on this guy, um, this doctor, to come and help the president. Now, uh, make a long story short, if they had just left the man alone... James Garfield, he would have recovered and been fine. But they didn't. First thing that the doctor came and said is, lift up your shirt and lay down. Now, he'd been shot in his back. You remember this. Shot in his back. And where is he? He's at a train station full of people. And he says, lay down on your back. And then, without any gloves or anything, he begins to try to pry the bullet out with his own hand. And then other doctors come, and they try. So, long story short, this is July 2nd, 1881. September... 1881, James Garfield dies. And they do an autopsy, and the autopsy reveals he, he rotted to death because of the infection he got from who? Not the assassin, from the doctor who's trying to save his life. Now you say, why are you saying all this? They took the blind man to the Pharisees, the, uh, the professionals. And you want to talk about people who have the role of a spiritual doctor, but all they're doing is passing infection on over and over and over. Legalistic, deadly spirituality, it's the Pharisees. In fact, they've got a blind man. This paints the picture. They've got a man who's been healed of his blindness, and here's their issue. He healed him on the Sabbath. He can't be sent from God. That's what they say. So they they got a big problem with this guy. First of all, the light removes the darkness. Number two, the light reveals the darkness. And the light of the world, Jesus Christ, is revealing that the Pharisees actually are the the darkness. Look what they do here. The the Pharisees, they brought brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him, they they began to kind of uh, interrogate him, right? How he'd received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. I mean, it can't be any simpler than that, right? Salvation is powerful. Salvation is profound. But salvation is also very simple. It's a blind man who can see. It's a dead man who, who now lives. So there began to be a division among them. And look at verse 18. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind. Now, uh, it doesn't line up with what their preconceived notion are, are, so they said he's got to be lying. He had been blind. Now, now the, the deal is, if you are going to witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to come under some interrogation and some attack. Whoever desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And it's going to involve this man's family. Now, we'll just go through this fairly quickly. They, so so uh, they did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. All right? Now they're getting the parents involved and asked him, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? And his parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we don't know. Maybe you've had it in your life. Well, just look. Nor do we know how he opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. 
Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. I mean, that's a real great comfort for this guy, right? I mean, mom, they're my mom and my dad, I can see. And then there's like, well, just ask him. His parents begin to separate themselves from him. Just ask him. They don't want to be thrown out of the synagogue. Maybe, you, maybe, maybe in your life you found that you want to be obedient to Christ, but somebody in your family is like, I don't really think that's such a good idea. In fact, we don't want to be called in about this. He says, speak for himself. Maybe, maybe it's your parents. Maybe they say, well, why don't you just tone down all that Jesus talk a little bit? Just, that, that, that's their deal. So for the second time, we're talking about revealing the darkness, revealing it among the Pharisees, then revealing some darkness in his own family. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. And he's like, I think that's what I'm trying to do, right? Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, isn't this great? I was blind, and now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I've told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Well, he's getting a little uh, braver in his disposition. Now notice what they do. As he gets more courageous, they get more hateful. They reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of, of Moses. Oh, the same Moses who was at the burning bush. And so I am. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. And if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and you would teach us, and they cast him out. See, they just came to a point that they couldn't argue with him anymore, and so they just cast him out the light reveals darkness. And then one last thing is the light uh, rules the darkness. The light rules darkness. See, uh, they'd asked him, where does Jesus? And he hadn't. And I want you to notice when Jesus comes near again. Look at verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. He's just a nobody to them, this, this guy. And 1 Corinthians 1, by the way, says that God has chosen the lowly things of the world to shame the, uh, to shame the proud. A blind beggar is his witness. And the Pharisees don't know what to do. So, so Jesus draws near to the persecuted. When Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him. And it is he who's speaking to you. And the last time Jesus said something like this, they picked up stones to stone him. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see. And those who see may become blind. You know what he's saying, right? Those who, who, uh, who are humble, well, here's how he said it. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom. People like that, they're going to be able to see. And those who say that they know everything, those who are the religious leaders, those who say, here's how everything works, and they don't know anything, they're going to be, be blind. So some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? 
And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. The man who was thrown out of the synagogue was cut off. He's a social outcast. He's a social leper. And Jesus comes to him. And I want you to see something with me. Just walk with me. Go back to John 9, verse 11. This is the first time the blind man speaks about Jesus. I just want you to notice how he refers to him. In John 9, verse 11, he answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes. The second time he refers to Jesus is in response to the Pharisees' question. He made you see, what do you say about him? Verse 17, look what he says. He said, he's a prophet. So we've gone from the man. He's a man called Jesus. Now we're going to the prophet. Now, when they interrogate him the second time, go to verse 33. He says, if this man were not from God, he could not do this thing. So we've got man, then we've got he's a prophet, then we've got he's a man from God. And now look at verse 38. He said, what? You go and say it out loud. What did he say? Lord. He has given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is is Lord, right? To the glory of God the Father. Now, this man was blind and now he sees. His whole life's changed and he sees spiritually that Jesus Christ is Lord. So that's John 9. Now let's go back to, just it, uh, before we wrap up, back to David, a man after God's own heart. Now, um, he's a follower of God. He's written some of the great Psalms. Psalm 23. Psalm 103. Now, how, how could it be that a seeing man can do what David did? And here's what I think happened, okay? And, and I think it happens a lot. So, so let's go back to 2 Samuel 11, and, and, and uh, we'll just think of it this way. Here's what the Bible says in 2 Samuel 11. It says, uh, In the time of the year, when the kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and all Israel and his servants with him. And they did ravage the Ammonites and they besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. And it happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch, that he went for a walk on the roof of the king's house. And then it uses a very interesting word. And he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. And he asked about the woman, and one said, Is this not... No, y'all don't let me get too close here. <laughs> he said to the woman... Excuse me, he said, he said, who is this woman? Inquired about her. And one said, is this not Bathsheba, Eliam's daughter, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent for her and took her, and she lay with him. See, this is what sin does in the life of a believer. It, it's like putting a blindfold on. Now, a blindfolded person... And their behavior is not a lot different than a blind person. You know what I mean? Now, David can show up at the synagogue, or where, where, where not, not the synagogue, but worship with the Lord's people. 
He could even stand there and say, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. He could even sing, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. But there's a problem, isn't there? It's what? It's a blindfold on, right? Glad that came off. But the good news is the Lord can take it off of all of us. So what are we getting at? Here's what we're getting at. In the room, as we study the scripture, spiritually speaking, there's the blind, there's the seeing, and then there's the blindfolded. Paul prays in Ephesians 1. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you know the hope to which you've been called. Now, sin is a blindfold. And uh, I just got to tell you, if you want to see God, I'm not talking about you want to see God do great things in your life. If you want to see God for who he is, first of all, you've got to be born again because you're blind. Secondly, ongoing. Now, we're justified by faith. That happens in a moment. You go from blind to seeing. But then we've got to walk in him. Sanctification. Here's what the devil offers every believer. Just put the blindfold on, man. For David, it was lust. Lust was his blindfold. It might be something different for you. It might be anger. Might be jealousy, might be greed, might be fear, some form of disobedience. And it's not that you're blind. You know the Lord. It's just that you're, you're, you're blindfolded. Oh, the devil loves to blind people. That's what it, Paul says about him. He blinds the minds of the unbelieving. But even when you become a believer, there's still this danger. So, in conclusion, here's the mess that David got himself in. There's, there's few that have ever walked the earth that had seen God as clearly as David had. But even him, even a man after God's own heart like David, there came a moment late one afternoon when he arose from his couch and he went on this walk up onto the roof of the king's palace that the devil said, why don't you just put this on for just a minute? And David said, okay. Now, the problem was that David found himself in a situation where he's still wearing this, but he's got to walk around like he's not blind. And he keeps bumping into things. Light ever, lights ever go out in your house in the middle of the night and you get up and you've made that walk to the bathroom a thousand times. And the lights are out and you think you know the way. Amen. You just trip over it right there. Your word is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. Right? And David had set the word aside. And we have the same temptation for us. So let's stand together and we're going to pray together. And um, in conclusion, we'll say again, among us this morning, there are the blind, there are the blindfolded, and then there are the seeing. And the invitation is you inviting the Lord to speak clearly to your life of which one you are in this moment. So the invitation is open, and some people say, man, uh, I know you stand down there at the front, and I don't even know what you're doing or what I'd say if I came down. Here, here, here is what you may say, if the Lord would prompt you. One, 
You just come to the front and say, I'm blind. Spiritually blind. I don't know the Lord. I've walked in darkness. Here's the problem. He's the light of the world. The world's full of darkness, and the men prefer darkness to light because their deeds are evil. Man, repentance is tough. And in fact, I'll tell you, repentance is impossible, save one thing. The Holy Spirit of God grabs hold of your heart and convinces you of your need to repent. The light's only harm or hurtful in that first moment. <laughs> like when the, somebody turns on the lights at the first thing in the morning, and you're getting up and your hair's all coming to the light, the Lord says. Or secondly, you may say, you certainly don't have to come to me. Come to the front and pray or stay where you are. The Lord reveals, here's something, man, that you're putting out on as a blindfold. This sinful habit or this issue, it's time to lay it down. Or maybe you say, man, I see, he's brought me to sight. You just want to celebrate the goodness of God, that he took a blind, begging, sinful person, helped him to see. And that you'd also pray for boldness like this man, that you could simply and sincerely and clearly share the gospel anticipating and praying for the strength of the Lord to bear you up under the persecution that's certainly to follow. So, Father, I pray now in Jesus' name that you'd speak a clear word among us today. Thank you for Jesus. John 9, 1 begins, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And, Father, could we echo, as the hymn says, that you would not pass us by? Guard us from the blinding, words of the enemy who said, Let's do it some other Sunday. Do it some other time. It's time to think about something else. Lord, I'm praying for your Holy Spirit who inspired the words that we stand on and studied from today to do a work among us, but that you do require obedience. The man could see, but you required him to take a step of obedience. Lead our time of invitation. Help us to respond in a way that you lead and in a way that honors you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.